new era of American space exploration. To be the first means to be a pioneer. Being the first means accomplishing something no one has ever accomplished before. There are trails to be blazed, there's work to be done, and several steps to take. with the first step. Well, good evening and welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to be with you today. Hopefully you're enjoying like this march that we're having. In early February, anybody wash your car? Uh, I know, again, it's just going to get dirty again, right? But every once in a while, it's like it just feels good to have it clean just for a minute, and then you drive out of the car wash. So, uh, good, yeah, that's what I did. And then it was like, oh, there's still snow. So, anyhow, but uh, it's great to have you. We're starting this brand new series called The First Church, and, um, and we're going to get started. So, if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me to uh, Acts chapter 2. And uh, as you're turning there to Acts chapter 2, I'm going to, I just want to kind of uh, let you know in two weeks, we're going to do part of this series that we're doing on the first church is uh, we're going to highlight some churches that you have been a part of in the last several years uh, and organizations that you, we as a church, are partnering with to help plant churches, not just in the state of Wisconsin, uh, but in the nation and throughout the world. And uh, so it's pretty cool. We've been seeing some of the video clips that are coming in from from different organizations and people and church planters. And so you've planted churches out east, in the south, out west, uh, all over. Um, one organization that we're partnered with has already planted 200 churches just since the first of the year uh, in the United States. And so just some cool stuff, and we're going to celebrate that. Uh, and what you're doing in that area. We kind of thought this is fitting as we talk about the first church. And then uh, we're going to have some guests that weekend. Uh, Luke and Emma Bryant, they're from Liverpool, England. They pastor Liverpool One. And so they're going to kind of come over that weekend and join with us and, uh, and just kind of, uh, it's going to be a great weekend. And so that's two weekends from this weekend, not next weekend, but the following weekends. We're in the middle of this series on the first church. I just think it's amazing what God's doing. Uh, around the world and, and in the local church. And one of the very cool things to me about um, that is with the invent of the internet, which some of you think have always been around, uh, yeah. So anyhow, um, is you can listen to podcasts and uh, sermons all around the world. And what's amazing to me is some of the consistency of the subject matter that happens. And it's like God is, it's very cool because you know that we believe that the Holy Spirit is the one that, that basically gives insight and leading and guidance into what we as a pastor will preach and bring to a local congregation. And just with the internet, you're able to hear what guys are preaching every single weekend, having not talked to one another, having not really interacted with one another. And there are these themes, and it's very cool to see how God is truly working and, uh, and so I just think, I just think it's cool. Uh, the, the world is becoming less uh, global and more just very touchable uh, and, and very much just um, 
wow, just very integrated in, in, a, in a very interesting way and to hear what God's saying to the church. And so you don't want to miss that weekend. Matter of fact, it's just going to be a great weekend you're going to want to be a part of, and that's two weekends from this weekend. We, we've been talking for the last several weeks since the first of the year about this kind of the, the person of the Holy Spirit and, and how he fuels our lives individually. And uh, I want to talk about how that fleshes out in the context of, of to us as a group, as a, as a whole, uh, and really how that, how that showed up in, um, in the first church. And so if, just before we get into Acts chapter 2, I'm just going to have this verse up. You know this. I've been, I've been going over this the last several weeks, but it's Acts 1.8. Jesus says, and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. And, and, and what we began to see as we study this first church is really how that happens. One of the things you're going to see in two weekends with the Bryants is really how that is continuing 2,000 years later to happen, and how God is, is doing just that. And so the result is when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon us. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit and how he comes upon me or you as an individual and what happens with the Holy Spirit with me and you as individuals as we, as we walk this out. I want to talk about uh, this today in these next several weeks of when the Holy Spirit comes upon us as a church. What happens? And what made that first church so great? I, I don't know about you, but I love firsts. Like, and I remember, you know, first. I mean, you, you remember the, the, the first football game you went to, or you, you remember the first date, right? Uh, so Tam, mine and Tammy's wedding anniversary is uh, January the 28th, better get this right, 1995. But our dating anniversary is October the 15th, Friday night, 1993. And so... Don't hate, congratulate. So but here, here's my point. Guys, I really studied that and I wrote it down, so I'm just going to help you out, all right? Make sure I got it right. And uh, so we went to Nearly Famous, and we had dinner, and then we went, and I told her I like black and white movies, which I completely lied, because I liked her. And, and so we watched North by Northwest with Cary Grant, and uh, I think that's the only black and white movie I've seen since. So anyhow, but I'm just saying, it's just one of those deals. And so, uh, I, you know, you remember first, right? You, you remember first. It's amazing to me when people have their first child, how it's like a porcelain doll and they can't get them to church and they can't go anywhere. And it's just all this. And, and then number two comes along and they're a little bit less. Like number one, there's all these pictures, there's all this stuff. They keep all the clothes. Number two, they feel bad because it's not quite as new and they kind of got it. By the time number three or four comes along, like they just, the first day at church, they unbuckle the, the the, the car seat themselves and jump out of the minivan and check themselves into life kids. It's just, but there's something about the first. And so this is what we're reading as we begin to read in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It's about the first church. Read it with me. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe. Everyone. Not just some people like at Life Church, but everybody was filled with awe. And at many wonders and the signs performed by the apostles and all the believers were together and they had everything in common and they sold their properties or possessions to give to anyone. I love these just like sweeping generalities to anyone who was in need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, local church, right? And they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Again, they ate. That's a spiritual activity, people. I'm just telling you. Mm. 
Verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved every single day. The evidence of the Holy Spirit in our lives is life change. The evidence of the Holy Spirit in, in, at Life Church is life change. At any church, it's life change. It's people that are far away from God finding Jesus. It's people that, that are lost in their sins and they find salvation and they find redemption and they find forgiveness. It's people that have been burned and hurt by life and by other people and by situations and they find grace, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. They, they, they find completeness. They find wholeness. Not in some body. Not in some sermon. Not in some, some, some worship set. Not in some building. Not through some program. But they find this through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the key that we keep reading over and over and over, and I'm telling you, whether you're talking about the local church, whether you're talking about a family, whether you're talking about a marriage, whether you're talking about a, 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 any kind of a ministry or an organization, whether you're even talking about a business that's completely sec secular, the key is all the same, and the key is the same here. The key is that they were together. The key is being together. They were together. They weren't apart. They weren't in disunity. They were together. If you go back and just simply look, you know, at verse 43, and all the, excuse me, 44, and all the believers were together. Verse 46, and they continued to meet together, and they broke breads in their homes, and they ate together. There's this, there's this thing. It's, it's, it's this, this, this key that we see in, in the New Testament church. It, it, it's, it's a key that we see in any healthy family, in any healthy relationship, in any healthy business. It's when everybody's kind of on the right page. It's this synergistic that the sum of all of our parts are greater than the whole. It's this, it's this togetherness. Too often, if you really read this verse, how it would be read, if it really were how it were lived out in the 21st century, it would sound like this. And all the believers were divided. And they didn't have much in, of anything in common. Hoarding their possessions and goods, and they kept as much as they could for themselves. Every now and then, if it wasn't football season, they weren't too tired. They would come to church for an hour and leave early to beat the traffic. They loved Jesus when it was convenient for them, yet they were despised by people for their hypocrisy, and very few people got saved. Why is that? Because you know that's true. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good, right? I know you're picking up what I'm dropping, right? I mean, you, we're, we're on the same page on this deal, right? So, the, so why is that? It, it's, it, the key of it is together. They, the New Testament church, this first church, had this togetherness. Today, the church of today tends to be about me. But the church that we read about in Acts chapter 2 and following, you're going to see this. It's about we. It's not about me. It's not just about you. It's about us. It's this plural pl pronoun. It's interesting to me when I have conversations with people and they talk about life church. And the, and the, and the pronouns that they use to describe life church tells me a ton. You must be proud of your church. You must really be happy of what God's doing at your church. You know what it says to me? They're not a part of the same church I'm a part of. Because they don't take any ownership of that. Because it's not my church, right? It always get gripes me when, when pastors make this statement like they go, well, uh, my people. I don't have any people, right? 
I mean, like, I'm, I, I got two teenage daughters. You think they're with me? I have no people. <laughs> right? You're not my people. This isn't a kingdom. This isn't, you know, I, well, my people think. No, you don't have no people. You are smoking crack, man. You have no people. <laughs> right? There is no people. They're God's people. So it's not, it's not mine. It's ours. But when someone describes it as yours, no, it's not mine. It's ours. It's actually his, but it's ours, right? And, or when they go, man, I just love our church. I, I just love how our church, I, I, I just love how our church reaches out. I just love how our church gives them missions. I just love how our church is, they got it. Their life church is their home church. And so the difference of all of this, again, is together. Just listen to this verse in Psalm 133. Verse 1 and verse 3, David says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. For the Lord bestows his blessings, even life forevermore. That's what was happening in the New Testament church. When you see a great marriage, that's what's happening. When you see a great home, that's what's happening. When you see a great ministry, that's what's happening. When you see something, nothing works how the local church works when the local church works the way the local church is designed to work. It's this feeling of togetherness. It's this sense of togetherness. So what does togetherness look like? Well, I just want to show you what he says in verse 42. But I want to remind you of one thing. I'll get to that in a minute. Verse 42. They were devoted. Devoted. Togetherness looks like devotion. There's no other way around it. If you're going to be together, if we're going to be together, the New Testament church, if they were going to be together, we have to be devoted to one another. We've got to be committed to one another. And I understand that's a personal decision. If you're new at Life Church and you're kind of kicking tires and go, ah, I don't know if I like this. I don't know if I want to be here. I don't know. Well, I get that. It's a personal decision. Take your time. We're not going to do a full court press on you. But at some point, you're going to need to decide where you're going to be. Is it here? Is it somewhere else? Is this where God's brought you or somewhere else? Because you need to be somewhere. We all need a church, and every church needs you. I mean, we, that's it. We, we need each other. And so they're devoted. And the Bible says they were devoted to three things according to verse 42. First was the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching, which for us would be weekend services. They, they, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. It's going to come up. There it is. The apostles' teaching. Sometimes it takes a while to get to the back. The apostles' teaching, and so it's weekend services for us. It's, look, they, they, they came together and they had this devotion to getting together and doing exactly what you're doing right now. Opening up God's word and letting whoever had the gift to teach or to preach to do just that and for them to be built up. Why is that important? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Why is it important that we do it together? Because we're two or more gathered together, Matthew 18, 19, and 20. In Jesus' name, he's there. And whatever they ask according to his word, the apostles' teaching, will be done for them by the Father in heaven. There's power in this coming together. There's power in us taking time out of our busy schedules to be together, to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to devote ourselves to God's word. Can you do that individually? Yes, but that's a different power separately than it is together. Did they do it individually? Sure they did. Where was the power in coming together? There's something about coming together. Do you have to go to church to go to heaven? No. You don't have to take a bath either, but it sure does feel good, and it's better for everybody else. 
Mm, and some of you need to get that. No, I'm just teasing. Right? But you, you see what I'm saying? The second thing is that they, they were devoted to fellowship. Fellowship. Doing life together. Great churches have this. Why? Because they like each other. I don't care that you love me, just like me. I don't care that you love each other, like each other. Because like is different than love. Let's just be honest, right? Well, I love everybody. That's real spiritual. Like I'm praying for everybody, right? But, but, but I like you means I want to be with you. I love you means I may not be able to stand you, but God said I have to like you. I'm going to go to hell. So I'm going to love you, right? So the deal is, is they, they, they had this fellowship. They committed themselves. They devoted themselves to fellowship, doing life together. It's more than just a weekend service. That's one of the reasons why we do life groups. It, all throughout the cities, all different times, all different affinities, all different interests, all different age groups, all different genders. Why? Because it's important that we do life together. That's why we offer ministry opportunities. Why? Because listen, as sweat is the byproduct of working out, so fellowship is the byproduct of doing ministry together. It just happens. You don't believe me? Go on a, go on a missions trip. You will get very close to someone or someone's on that trip. Why? Because there's something that begins to happen. You co-labor together. You work together. Go to a second Saturday and find yourself consistently there. You'll find that to be true. Go, go get involved serving in, in a particular ministry or a particular area of ministry. All of a sudden, you'll make these connections and these relationships. It's there. It, whatever. Events. It's just, it's doing life together. If all we do is come to church and like, check. Kind of like I brush my teeth today. Check. I comb my hair today, check. If it's just another check off the list, I floss today. If, if going to church is right up with flossing, we have a problem. And the problem is that we're not doing life together. And, and I just want to say this. I, I love Life Church, man. And I, I think Life Church is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And I can't imagine anybody else wanting to go someplace else. Not because of me, because I think you're great. I just do. I met this week with our 50-plus group, so we call it Prime Life. And I mean, I'm just telling you, in, and I don't mean this in a mean way. I mean this in an honest way. My wife and I were talking about this that night afterwards. The room was packed. It was great food. People were humming and buzzing and talking. And, and there was a lot of people that didn't know each other. And I think people were amazed that we had that many people that, that were 50-plus at Life Church. Because I think everybody thinks everybody at Life Church is like some 25-year-old hipster and blah, 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 blah. And, and we were just, and I told Tammy, and she said the same thing to me. In 12 years of pastoring this church, I have never felt such, like, love and affirmation as a pastor of this church as I did that night. And here's what it is. All those people, together. There's a sense of devotion. There's a sense of fellowship. There's this sense of, we're together on this. And I, not that I don't, I don't feel loved. I mean, I've got all kinds of love, right? got love handles and everything. I, I'm, I'm not... I'm just saying, though, there's just something about it, man, when the church is together and we're all together and we're, we're doing life together. And it's not just a weekend service, but it's this togetherness. It's this fellowship. It's very, very, very important. And if you don't sense that at Life Church, I, I would help you with one of two things. Either one, talk to me. Send me an email and I'll get you connected with one of the people on our staff and we'll help get you connected as best as we possibly can. But I also believe God, there's no fences in the kingdom. 
And I think that there's not just one church for everybody. I mean, there is the overall church, right? The church of Jesus Christ, right? It's the overall church. But there's many ways that that church is expressed. That's the beauty of the body. And if Life Church isn't meeting that need for you, then let me help you find a church that will meet that need. Are you telling me you don't want me here? No, I'm telling you, I want you here. I want everybody here. But what's more important to me than you being a number at Life Church or you being a member at Life Church or you being an attender at Life Church is that you are involved in a local church where you have this sense of fellowship and doing life together. Because if you don't have that, you won't stay. And the greatest desire for any pastor is to help people get together. And let's win our world for Christ. Let's love everybody we can, and let's all get to heaven. And that's more important to me than any number or person in a particular church. The, the last thing they were devoted to was the breaking of bread. The breaking of bread. This is about Jesus. This is a reference to communion. They would come together, and they would break bread. Now, I'd like to tell you that they would come together and have a buffet, but that's not what they're talking about when they say breaking bread. They talk about eating separately, which is that's the buffet part. I left that off, but, but, but they broke bread. So they would come together and they would remember what Christ did. They would remember what he did because communion is a time where we remember that God forgets. We remember that God loved us so much that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. The bread symbolizes the body of Christ, that God gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to be born of a virgin, to walk and live on this earth and die for our sins, his humanity. And then the cup represents his blood, which was shed for the remission of sins. That without the shedding of his blood, there is no salvation. There is no remission of sins. There is no sanctification, uh, instantaneous or progressive. There, there, there is no regeneration of our soul. And so they would come together and they would do this to remember Jesus and to remember why they were doing what they were doing. This is what it meant to be together. They were devoted. And as they were devoted, the Bible follows out and says, here were some things, some, some results of their being together. Verse 43 says that there was supernatural activity that was happening. Supernatural. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and the signs performed by the apostles. God was showing up and doing the supernatural. I'm just telling you, if we're not devoted, the supernatural doesn't take place. If we're not devoted to God's word, we're not devoted to one another, we're not devoted to Jesus, it's not showing up. Peace out, Girl Scout. Jesus has left the building. And we don't think that. We just think, well, we just kind of go through the motions. No, it's not about religion. God did not give his one and only son for religion. God did not give his one and only son for buildings, for steeples, and for stained glass. God didn't give his one and only son so that I would have a profession. God gave his one and only son so that you and I would find life. And that the Holy Spirit was given for us so that we could live and do life this side of eternity. And that when God put his super onto our natural, it's that what we read at the very beginning, the Acts 1-8, that we would do great things, that the power of God would infuse us. Supernatural. The second result we see in verse 44 and 45 is there was extreme generosity. I'm not taking an offering. Don't like grab your billfold right now, but generosity. But I want you to look at this. All the believers were together 
and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Do you know someone in need? Maybe the reason why you know that is because you're supposed to do something about that. And don't give me the line, don't give me the if I had. Well, if I had a million dollars, I'd fix it. Yeah, 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 right, 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 right. That'll never happen. Big fat liar. That'll never happen. It just doesn't happen. Well, what do you have? How, how do you help someone? See, whatever the need is, it's not about giving. I want you to know something. It's not just about giving in the offering. It's not just about bringing the tithe. It, it's, they gave everything. Not for the church, but to make sure everybody's needs were met. You may see a child at the school where your kids go to school, and you notice they don't have adequate clothing. The reason why you see that may be because the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. You need to minister to that need. Doesn't mean that you have to take them to Macy's or to Nordstrom's and just, it just simply means you figure out how to minister to that need. You find, you see someone that you just go, look, I, I see this single parent, especially sometimes these single moms and, and they're, they're up to their eyeballs and, and everything else is going on and, and, and that you find out that a washing machine is broken. It may mean that you go buy them a new washing machine and have it delivered and nobody knows anything about it. It may mean that you know someone that can repair them. It may be that you're the repair person. This amazes me. People that have the ability to fix and work and do trades. Again, my dad was an arbitrator for the union, and I grew up in a union household. I get it. But it amazes me how people go, I'm off the clock. I'm not doing this. I do this all day long. Find somebody else. Just saying, maybe the reason why God gave you that gift Maybe the reason why God's blessing you with the health that you got so you can do the job that you got to do is because he's going to send a few people, maybe some widows or some orphans or some people, just saying, along your way that you might be able to do something for them that may be something that is not monetary at all, but it's giving of your time. And I understand that you're tired. I understand that you're working 10, 12-hour days. I understand all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, what's God brought across your path? I was traveling not too long ago and I was having breakfast at this hotel. It's like just a Marriott courtyard. It wasn't anything crazy, but they had like a made-to-order eggs. And so I was like, man, they're going to make it order eggs. I'm going to tell them how I want my eggs because those powdered eggs that they have is gross, right? And so I'm talking, and, and I begin to talk to the lady that's there and kind of find out her husband is the cook. Well, come to find out, she's working 40 hours doing this job. What she does is she does that job in the morning, and then she goes over to the country club, and she's working there serving for the noon hour, and then she's coming back and then doing the night shift there. Her husband basically is working about 80 hours a week. And they're just happy to have a job. And it just hit me sometimes. Sometimes it's just, it's like generosity. It's not about writing a check. Generosity is not about necessarily giving to a missions uh, organization or to a missionary. Generosity is, is not just about blessing someone that you know. Or, 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 or generosity is not always just putting money in the plate at church and tithing. Honestly, in the life of a Christ follower, that's God's, not yours. There's really nothing generous about you giving God what's already his. Generosity, though, is a spirit that if I see a need, if I see someone in need, maybe the reason why I see that is because 
God is either going to connect me with someone else that can help that person, or maybe it's a situation where God has given me or is going to give me what I need in order to help someone else. That's what was happening. There wasn't an I, there was a us. Togetherness. When there's togetherness, generosity's there. I want you to notice in verse 46, you may not get this, but I think this is a big deal. I think this is huge is that they continued. I love that word, continued. Verse 46, and every day they continued to meet together. What do you mean, Aaron? What, what, what are you getting geeked out about? They continued to meet together. They didn't stop. You know what the hardest part about being a Christian is? Continuing. You know what the hardest part about a local church is? Continuing to be together. It was easy to be together when Life Church was 100 people. I knew everybody. They knew me. We all knew. We probably knew more about each other than what we wanted to know. I could stand at one door, shake everybody's hand, knew anybody who was missing. Fewer people let, missed during that season of the church than now. Why? Because everybody knew everybody. Continuing. And as the church grows, as it develops, the hardest part about it, 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 it's about continuing. It's about staying together. It's about staying on the path. It's easy to begin a race. It's easy to say, Jesus, come into my heart and come into my life, be my Lord and Savior. It's easy to go for a short while. It's easy to do that. But when you're here week in and week out and year in and year out and decade in and decade out, that's when it gets tough. But that's what you want from me as a pastor. If Life Church had a pastor that changed pastors every two years and didn't continue the work that God had put in their heart, you wouldn't be here. Why? Because there's a dynamic that when we are together, we continue together. We work together. We labor together. We laugh together. We do life together. We continue to, to, stick, to stick close to the, to the apostles' doctrine. We continue to have fellowship. We continue to have communion. We continue to serve together. And I love the end of verse 47. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Life change. When a local church is together, there's life change. That church is growing, not just from people moving in from somewhere else, not that there's anything wrong with that, not just from somebody coming from another church across town, not that there's anything wrong with that, but, but, but they're growing because the Holy Spirit, because God is bringing people to them and they are seeing people far away from Jesus coming to faith in Jesus Christ and the Lord added to their number daily those that are being saved. If a church is together, there will be salvations. If a church is together, it will grow every single time. I'm just telling you, I don't know the church, but I can tell you, if it's not growing, it's because they're not together. That's pretty arrogant. I'm just telling you. I'm telling you biblically, and I'm telling you out of experience. When the church begins to plateau, it's because there's a lack of unity somewhere in the body that there's some something that's not clicking the way it needs to be clicking. And God gives us time to make adjustments. Maybe it's, it's a structural change. Maybe it's an organizational change. Maybe it's a, it's a leadership change. Maybe, may, maybe our attitudes have gotten wrong. May, maybe we've gotten far away from what God's called us to do. But, but the reality is, is, is when a church has the right togetherness, 
It grows. Not just to be big, it grows because it reaches people. Because listen, unless Jesus is drawing people, people don't come to repentance. Unless the Holy Spirit draws you, no man or woman comes to repentance. And I'm just going to say this. Every single weekend, I'm telling you, almost without fail, we encounter people at Life Church that say, I just saw the sign and I wanted to come. I just heard about it somewhere. I wanted to come. I was driving down Mequon Road and I was wanting to, just a, a flat white from Starbucks. And so I did a U-turn in and I saw it. I Googled it and I just came. I just was lonely. You don't know what's going on in my life. And I just showed up. And it's just like, how do those people know? Because the Holy Spirit's drawing. And God will get up every, not God doesn't get up, he's always up. But, but, but every single morning when we get up on Sundays, God is directing people who are far away, drawing them by the Holy Spirit and sending them to churches. Do you think he's going to send them to dead, dry churches? No. You think he's going to send them to churches where people don't like lost people? No. Every once in a while they stumble in there on accident and they go, I'm not doing that again. Where does he send them? To places that are together. And then life change occurs. It all goes back to Jesus. It all goes back to the message of the cross. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. First church, togetherness. And today I want us to practice probably the key piece of what the disciples, of what the New Testament church, what the first church was devoted to. Jesus, to the expression of Holy Communion. So we're going to get ready here in just a second. The ushers are going to get ready. The band's going to make their way. And we're going to wait on you for communion. And at Life Church, you don't have to be a member of Life Church or of any church to partake of communion. We just simply ask that you be a Christ follower. And so if you're not a Christ follower, as the elements of the cup and the bread pass in front of you, you can just let them pass right on. Nobody's going to say anything to you. I promise you, we're not going to do that. Maybe you're here today and you go, bro, I'm just not really right with Jesus and I need to get my life right with God. Well, then maybe just right now in just a few minutes as we give you a time of reflection that you just simply say, Jesus, I want to make things right with you. I ask you to come into my heart and come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. It's not the, the, it's not the words that you're saying. It's your heart. It's not having the right order or the right way of saying it. It's just... A broken and a contrite spirit, the Bible says, God will never turn away. Maybe there's a lot of things going on. You're a Christ follower and the week is busy. This is a time for you to quiet your soul. Maybe you need to ask yourself, how together are you with the people that you're seated around? How together are you with the leadership? How together are you with... How, how together are you? Are you doing life together? Are you devoted to the, to, to the apostles' teaching? You don't need to be devoted to Aaron. That'll get you in trouble. But devoted to God's word. Devoted to each other. Devoted to Jesus. 